Hey, whoa, my camera's way off. Let me fix that one. What a way to start the show. What a way to start the show. We always have something. Alexa, turn off Studio Blue. We always have something. I think I bumped to the desk when I sat down, and it wonkied everything. But hey, that's just how we're starting off today. It's going to be a little crazy. We're doing a full review here of AEW Collision. We're going to talk about SummerSlam matches that are being rumored. Uh, got an update on Drew McIntyre's status with WWE. One AEW wrestler is reportedly gone from the company. And Court Bauer has given, I guess you could say, his side of things when it comes to the report from last week on Jacob Fatu ghosting a charity. With that, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about here. We got one, two, three, four, five, five news stories and a review on today's show. Also, I just saw something in the live chat about Raw because WWE, right before I went live, or at least the last I checked about 10, 15 minutes ago, hadn't posted anything for Monday Night Raw. So let's go check their Twitter and stuff really quickly because if we go to WWE's website, okay. So they're still only got the Natty um, Rhea match set for tonight. That's all that was announced from last week as well. Nothing since Money in the Bank. Because I saw somebody put something, and I'm not going to mention it because it's not being advertised by WWE, put something in the live chat. And I'm not going to mention it because, again, WWE's not pushing that. There are, yeah, don't put, unless you got a link. Don't put fake news in the chat. Now, maybe it's not fake and it's not, and it's a match that they're advertising somewhere, not on Twitter or their website, but put a link in the chat if you do have one. As far as that match, uh, uh, Richard is saying they officially announced. But with that, got a bunch to talk about. Let's get through the housekeeping. I want to say thank you for joining us here on this Monday, July 3rd, 2023. You can watch this show a number of different ways, whether that's on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, and listen on podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives us a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and we always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, right, 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 right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember to head over to YouTube, hit that join button down below and become a channel member. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Buy something. Whether you're getting Hogwarts Legacy, which is still on sale at 20% off, claiming the free game, the Dungeon of Nahabulek, I probably butchered that name again, or you're getting into Fortnite, Rocket League, or Fall Guys, use our code right here, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Again, use code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D for all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases. Now, what we're going to do here, we're going to kick this whole podcast off with an AEW Collision review. Now, Collision aired Saturday night. WWE Money in the Bank, Saturday during the day. 
I also watched the Money in the Bank press conference. So when uh, collisions started on Saturday evening, I was in the midst of my podcast reviewing Money in the Bank. So I did not watch Collision Saturday night. I watched it yesterday, and now we're doing the review today. So this week's AEW Collision saw a bunch of tournament matches and, well, the setup for one of the most historic rivalries in Ring of Honor history. Or one of the most historic rivalries coming back in Samoa Joe and CM Punk. Um, so the show was taped last Thursday. The show aired Saturday, and from all accounts, we haven't gotten any ratings. So we don't know if it being a pre-taped show is going to hurt it. We know it didn't hurt SmackDown being pre-taped a couple hours in advance, but will being pre-taped two days in advance hurt Collision? That's going to be a big thing to see when those ratings do come out, and I'm not sure exactly when those ratings are going to come out because it is a holiday here in the United States tomorrow. Usually the weekend... um, Ratings come out on Tuesday for the most part, but with Tuesday being a holiday, I might get pushed back to Wednesday or even Thursday. So as soon as we do get the collision numbers, we will tweet them out, put a graphic up, whatever we do, maybe make a video, do a a mini wrap-up or something with that news in there. But there was backstage promos from Powerhouse Hobbs, Roderick Strong, and Samoa Joe. I like this cold opening thing. I really, really, really enjoy it. Kevin Kelly and um, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGinnis from Ringside welcome us to the show. And out comes the AEW World Champion MJF. He took on uh, Kip Morris in a 28-second non-title match. MJF jumped on Terrio native Kip Morris before the bell even rang and hit the Heat Seeker. And then tapped him out with a cross face. And there we go. MJF was dressed in red, white, and blue. Kind of to make I, I guess maybe piss off the Canadian fans saying uh red white and blue America after the match MJF got the mic and started running down everyone from Canada and offered to defend the title against anyone from Hamilton a rather large journeyman performer slowly made his way to the ring but was outpaced by Hamilton native Ethan Page Page slapped the mic out of MJF's hand and ran down his family's history in Hamilton Page cut a great babyface promo and accepted the challenge from Friedman. A quote, bare minimum bitch, he called him. And this is weird. All of a sudden, Ethan Page just babyface now because he's his contract is owned by Matt Hardy. <clears throat> yeah, that's... We haven't... So, since that happened, when Matt won or earned or got Ethan Page's contract, we haven't really seen much of that. Or heard much of that, and now he's seemingly like a babyface, or is he? He's probably just a babyface for the hometown crowd. If I'm gonna be guessing, we did have a 10 minute and 58 second match. It was MJF against Ethan Page. I liked it. I thought this was a very solid television non-title match for a champion. Page went for the crucifix bomb early on, but MJF escaped and clipped Page's knee. Friedman worked over Page's knee and ankle. Page fought his way out of a leg li- a leg lace and shocked Page with a jawbreaker. MJF caught Page coming out of the corner with an Alabama slam, then slapped on a half crab to continue working over Page's bad leg. 
Paige then tried several different means of escape, but MJF was able to counter them and keep the hold on until Paige finally made it to the bottom rope to break the hold. On, um, upon breaking the hold, MJF sold his own exhaustion for the effort it took to keep Paige in said submission. I liked that touch. I liked that a lot because it's not just, oh, you got out. It's, man, you really fought hard to get out of that. And it's MJF showing that Paige fought hard to get out. And because Paige fought so hard, he had to fight very hard to keep the submission on. I thought that was a small touch that leaps and bounds helped this so much. Go back from a split uh, split screen break. Page caught MJF with a cutter. MJF tried to kick Page's knee to cut him, uh, cut off his comeback, and Page fought through the pain and hit a series of clotheslines and a rana to maintain control. Page at one point hit an Econo slam into a vertical vertical power slam to get a near fall. Page went for the Eagle's edge, but MJF escaped and walked right into a twist of fate. That little Matt Hardy reference. Page then went to the top. But Paige was unsteady up there, and MJF crotched him. MJF set up for a superplex, but Paige fought out and power-slammed MJF from the middle rope for another near fall. Paige went for the ego's edge a third time, but Paige's leg gave out under the weight of MJF. MJF caught Paige with the dragon screw leg whip into the ropes, then dropped him with the heat seeker and pinned him. Excuse me, pinned him to pick up the victory. Again, I thought these two worked very well together. I thought these two had great chemistry. Just the few slight little things they did that we don't normally see, like MJF selling, being tired from keeping the whole... I thought this match was really, really good. One of the highlights of the show, for sure. So, I don't know if Ethan Page is going to remain a babyface going forward. I think it could just be that he worked baby in front of the hometown crowd. We had our first tournament match of the night. It was Powerhouse Hobbs against Dustin Rhodes in a quarterfinal match to advance in the Owen Hart Foundation Cup tournament. And Rhodes, at one point, early on, escaped a press slam by Hobbs. At this point, we knew that Harley Cameron and QT Marshall are at ringside. Marshall tripped up Rhodes at one point. The distraction allowed Hobbs to send Rhodes to the floor with a back body drop. No, a body block. On the floor, Marshall ran Rhodes headfirst into the ring post while Hobbs distracted referee Aubrey Edwards. As a result, Rhodes was busted open and Hobbs worked on the cut in the split-screen break. Back from a break, Hobbs got a near fall on Rhodes. Rhodes started to fight back with a right hand and a pair of lariats. Hobbs blocked a spinning power slam from Rhodes, but Rhodes blocked whatever Hobbs was going for and turned it into a crossroads. Rhodes then followed this up with the pile driver and only got a near fall off of it, actually. Rhodes then hit a sloppy code red. But, I mean, he likes to do those kinds of things periodically from here, from time to time, to say, hey, I might be an older guy, but I can still do some of these cool younger guy moves. This one didn't look all that great. He couldn't get his legs under Hobbs' shoulders. Which because of the size of Hobbs, though. Uh, Marshall tried to interfere yet again and got waylaid with an uppercut, but was still... This distraction was still enough for Hobbs to hit an avalanche and a spine, but an avalanche spine buster, but only got a one. Dustin kicks out at one. Rhodes then hit a spinning power slam and got a near fall off of it. Rhodes went for a figure four, but Hobbs 
kicked out of it and sent Rhodes into a right hand from QT Marshall. Hobbs then hit the spine buster and got the pin to advance in the tournament. So I thought when it was just Dustin and Hobbs working together, they worked well together. They worked, they worked pretty good together. But I did not like all the interference from QT. And I know that's what we're going to get when we have the QTP, QTV people. When it's Hobbs, whether that's Johnny TV, whether that's QT, Harley Cameron out there doing stuff. They're always going to interfere in each other's stuff. And I think AEW uses that as a crutch a little too often. Too much outside interference for my liking. Especially that it led straight, straight to the finish here in a tournament match. Where the tournament is supposed to be a big deal and important. And you're going to have this kind of a finish. You could have just had Hobbs beat Dustin by himself. No problem. And it would have been fine. But to do so much interference from QT. Kind of took me out of it. And was just like. Oh. So Hobbs is advancing now. Cool. Gives me. No excitement to see Hobbs go to the next round. And potentially move to the finals. Probably won't. Who is he going to face in the in the final? I think it's Ricky? Yeah, because that's that side. Duh. Because Joe Punk on this side. Or Punk, Joe, Hobbs, really Ricky, which we talk about later when Ricky picked up the victory as well. But, yeah, again, not a, not a fan of the finish here with all the um, stuff with QT Marshall. But they had Miro take on Anthony Henry in a three-minute match. I want to uh, show a tweet from Sheamus for for a second here because it plays into this match. Because uh, his old buddy Miro using his move. Not going to play the video or anything, but we're going to show the tweet here. So during this match, Miro did the 10 beats of the Baldrin. And as we show here, if I can zoom in on it a little bit. I'm not going to show the video, but. So AEW posts this. It says, Miro with brutal clubs to the chest of Anthony Henry. Seamus retweets. I, I, I laugh every time I see it because it's funny as heck. DM, DM me re. Royalty check. Hashtag 10 beats. Uh, that was very funny. He's like, hey, you stole my move. Gimmick infringement. Now you owe me. Now you owe me. Oop, don't need that. So, as far as the match itself does go, why is that keep popping up? Okay, as far as the match itself does go, Miro has taken another step up the jobber ladder working with the horseman's Anthony Henry, who isn't quite a no-name, but most don't know him. Usually he just teams with J.D. Drake on Dark, but Dark and Dark Elevation are gone. I think they've been doing some stuff in Ring of Honor. I know they've been working the indies. But I don't know if they've been doing much in the company. Henry actually caught Miro charging at him at one point with a boot and came off the top with a stomp. Henry hit an enziguri and a series of forearms. Miro body blocked Henry against the ropes, then slammed him to the mat with an enziguri. There was a big matcha kick and a game over to pick up the victory. So there we go. Miro does pick up the victory. Remember what Miro said last week? I am renouncing my God and my hot wife. He's all on his own, even though he's always been all on his own. He's all on his own, kicking ass. Tony Schiavone then interviewed Bullet Club Gold members, which now include the Gun Club. So the Gun Club 
are now officially members of the Bullet Club. Whatever. I don't really care for this. I think Jay White needs to be doing his own thing and going for the TNT title and then eventually building himself up to go for that world title because Jay White's amazing. Jay White's great. Jay White's one of the best in the world right now. A top-tier talent. There's a reason he's a former multi-time IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. How many times has he won that belt? Jay White. Hold on. How many times has the New Zealander won that title? Been a top champion in ring or no, New Japan. He has won it only well, technically twice. Technically twice. He's got the original IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I think that's the original one. Yeah, the original one, the good one, the the one with all the lineage. I mean, they still got the lineage. Anyways, and then he's also won the Butterfly Belt once. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, the belt Sonata currently has. But I just think AEW's kind of wasting him doing this Bullet Club Gold stuff, to be honest. He could be doing so much more. So, um, where was I? For a crowd that didn't seem to react much to the Bullet Club stuff on Wednesday's show, and remember, it's the same audience. Well, same town of people. We don't know if everyone went to both shows, but Dynamite on Wednesday, and this show is filmed the next day, Thursday. Jay White and Bullet Club got a good amount of heat for this segment. The guns joined up with the Bullet Club because White and Robinson have experience from all over the world. The guns started running down all the people that they've beaten recently, including CM Punk, which actually got a bit of a slight CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk chant. Giovanni then announced that all the other members of the Bullet Club would be Barred from ringside during Juice Robinson's tournament match against Ricky Starks later tonight. White then took the mic and barred Shivani from talking for the rest of the interview and called out Punk for bringing his red bag out a few weeks ago. He didn't see too, seem too interested in Punk's bag, but White did challenge FTR to a tag title match with him and Juice as, as the team challenging. And it's like, I bring up the punk bag thing. Punk hasn't even brought the bag back up. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on. We know the bag's the former world championship, the one he never had to lose, or the one he never lost. Uh, this did lead, though, to a promo from Punk and his crew in the back. Punk called MJF's belt a replica from shopaew.com, and FTR accepted Jay White's challenge. This whole segment ran a little long for my liking. I thought it felt like they stretched some things out, but Jay White was good in his challenge, and his promo, and this and that. And I don't know where this leads for Punk. I know Punk is going to go on to the next round of the tournament and face Joe, so maybe we're just biding our time till that. We do know that CM Punk is being advertised for all-in locally in Wembley, or in London, or Wembley. So we'll see, I guess, once the Owen Hart Cup is over, what Punk does at All Out. Well, All-In and All-Out. Because All-Out's the following week. But speaking of the tournament and tournament matches, Ricky Starks took on Juice Robinson in a quarterfinal match in the Owen Hart Cup Tournament, Owen Hart Foundation Cup Tournament in a 15-minute, 19-second match. Dueling chance for Starks and Robinson started off the match while they exchanged arm ringers, headlocks, and hip tosses. Robinson tripped up Starks with a drop down. Starks then flopped awkwardly, face first on the middle rope. Robinson worked over Starks' leg and slammed Starks into the rope's leg first. After a commercial break, Robinson hit a cannonball in the corner for a near fall. Robinson, <laughs> excuse me. Robinson, 
who had been dominant through most of this, especially the commercial break, started channeling his inner Bobby Heenan and insisted, well, no, no, no. So Robinson was dominant. Nigel then started playing up like Bobby Heenan and insisted Robinson just go for the victory. Why are you toying with the guy? Why are you screwing with the guy? You're going to screw yourself. Just beat him. And then almost on cue, Starks makes a comeback. Starks hits the DDT. Starks couldn't quite do a kip up, but he hits the snake eyes. Tornado DDT gets a near fall. Robinson then countered a hanging DDT with a one shot and then a leg lariat for a near fall. Robinson locked on a Texas Cloverleaf and Starks got out of the hold with a rope break. Robinson almost got the pin with a roll up and a handful of tights. Starks then hit a high angle back suplex for a near fall. After not reaching for the reaching for much of the match, the crowd started really to get into Starks, but still kind of weak chance. Like crowd didn't really care for this match that much. <clears throat> Robinson then went for a hurricane run off the top, but Starks blocked it by holding onto the ropes. Starks missed a dive off the top, and Robinson hit his spear for a near fall. Robinson then went for an inverted DDT for the finish, but Starks countered and hit a spear. Starks tried to go for the Rochambeau, and Robinson escaped. Starks then rolled him up with a jackknife cover and pinned him to advance to the next round. Again, just like the segment previously, thought the match itself went a little too long as well. Probably would have been better off at like 10 minutes instead of 15. But yeah, I felt like they dragged and dragged and dragged in this match. I think the two guys worked well together, worked fine together. We've seen it before, but they did nothing new. They did nothing different. Nothing we haven't already seen. After the match, the rest of the Bullet Club surrounded the ring to attack Starks, but Punk and FTR would run out to make the save, and there we go. In the back, Lexi Nair interviewed Christian Cage. It's, interview, or it's interrupted, though, by Sean Spears, who wants a shot at the TNT champion, Luchasaurus. Is it Luchasaurus or is it Christian Cage? Do we really know what's going to happen? Who is actually going to defend that belt? That's my big question. Who's actually going to defend the belt? Is Christian just always going to call himself TNT champion but make Luchasaurus do the do the dirty work? Probably. Probably. So speaking of TNT championship, the TBS championship was on the line when Chris Statlander defended the title against Lady Frost. We didn't get all of this match. But like six minutes and 45 seconds or so of the match did air. So they tell us that Lady Frost's grandfather was tag team partners at one point with Bruno San Martino. That's kind of a cool fact. Frost did a lot of pointless flipping around throughout this match. Where it's like, yeah, we get it. You can do gymnastic stuff. It's the same criticism I have had before with Lady Frost matches. She tries too much of the glitz and glam when it's not needed, when it's unnecessary, when it just kind of takes you out of the match. She flipped into a forearm from Statlander at one point and got superplexed out of a Cazadora attempt. After a commercial break, Frost ducked a kick from Statlander and got a German suplex. She countered a tombstone attempt and a spin with a spinning DDT for a near fall. Frost tried for some flippy stuff again, which almost immediately backfired, and Statlander floored her with a clothesline. Statlander finished uh, off finished off. Statlander finished off Frost with a Saturday Night Fever and Pinder to pick up the victory. Wasn't that good of a match. I didn't care for this match at all. Crowd didn't seem too invested in it. And yeah, I just thought it was there. And if this never aired, I would have been cool with it because this wasn't all that great. I didn't feel like this was that good of a match at all. In the back, Alexi interviewed Andrade El Idolo. Or as... Kevin Kelly once called him Andrade Alodo. Andrade Alodo. 
Said last week, the House of Black stole Andrade's mask, and he wants it back. The House of Black then appeared on the monitor backstage, and Malachi promised to give the mask back all in good time. Andrade didn't really react like he was planning on being very patient and waiting for what's next. As far as what's next, next week on AEW Collision, FTR will face Juice Robinson and Jay White of Bullet Club Gold in an eliminator match. So they accepted the tag title match earlier, and then they tell us, oh, no, 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 it's not a tag title match. They got to beat the champs to then get the tag title match. So, yeah, even though we told you it's one thing, it's not the one thing. We also learned that the Ring of Honor Women's Champion Athena will be taking on the strong Women's Champion Willow Nightingale in a second-round match in the Owen Hard Cup Tournament. Both of the men's semifinal matches will be taking place next week. We do know it's Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs taking on CM Punk and, fast forward, Samoa Joe. And speaking of Samoa Joe, he took on an undefeated Roderick Strong during this show, and he won with ref stoppage. You want to make you want to make Samoa Joe look like a badass? You want to make Samoa Joe look dominant? You haven't beat a guy's ass so bad that the refs just got to be like, yeah, nope, I ain't letting this go no more. No, mm-mm, it's done. CM Punk also on commentary. Mixed reaction when he came out, though, as he's gotten last week as well. Canadians, not the biggest punk fans. Say that. You know what was good, though? This 13 and a half minute match. Roddy, Joe, worked so good together. Roderick Strong gave Joe four of the five, uh, four or five shots, I think it was. Um, but it only took one forearm from Joe to knock Strong down. Strong leveraged Joe out of the, uh, leveraged Joe out to the floor and hit him with a drop kick on the floor. It was more of the same where Joe took three or four shots and then knocked down Strong. Back in the ring, Strong got Joe down and worked on a chin lock. Joe did escape the chin lock and dropped Strong with a back elbow. Strong charged at Joe in the corner, but got caught with a urinagi for a near fall. Joe dominated for most of the split-screen break, but Strong hit a high knee for a near fall coming out of the commercial. Strong went for a side backbreaker, but Joe forearmed his way out of it. Joe hit a reverse atomic drop, running boot, and a senton for a near fall. On commentary, Punk called the uh, fans of Collision the Colliders. And I think it was, um, uh, no, Kevin Kelly was like, yeah, hey, we've used that term before here on Collision already. Yeah, we call the fans the Colliders. And apparently the Colliders... Really wanted to see Punk versus Joe, according to Punk. I mean, wouldn't we all? Joe then wore down Strong with a neck vice, but missed a second senton. Strong st- uh, started to make a comeback while the crowd was chanting for CM Punk. Strong hit three flying clotheslines that didn't really take Joe off his feet much. Finally, a dropkick knocked Joe down. Strong then caught Joe running and gave him a side backbreaker and a running boot for a near fall. Strong then came off the middle ropes with a dropkick and a near fall. Then follow this up with an atomic slam or an Olympic slam for another near fall. We're starting to get the work on Joe, but can't keep Joe down. Strong one point caught Joe with another jumping knee. Strong went for a suplex, but Joe countered into a coquina clutch and choked Strong out long enough for the ref to go, yep, nope, he's out. He's done. We're going home. So small Joe does advance, as we talked about earlier. And we'll be taking on CM Punk next week on Collision. On commentary, Nigel McGinnis pointed out that Punk has never beat Joe one-on-one. Now, here's my question. Pretty sure 
Punk wins and goes to the finals of the tournament. But in doing so, could, if he wanted, Punk go, all right, so I beat you. I made it to the finals. Now I want to shot at your Ring of Honor World TV, your Ring of Honor TV title. Could we do that? Could we see that? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Remember? Remember? After the match, Punk and Joe exchanged some dirty looks. Joe grabbed a chair and a gaggle of referees and security came down to stop him before anything could happen. Joe then slid back into the ring and dropped Strong on said chair. Adam Cole then ran out to check on Strong and the medical team put a cervical collar on Strong, loaded him on a backboard, and the medical staff helped Strong out on a stretcher and took him to the back to end the show. So again, not only did they make Joe look strong with the referee stoppage off the coquina clutch, but they made him look strong and like a monster beating down Roddy after. So yeah, solid episode of, of Collision. I would say that this was the weakest episode thus far, as far as my enjoyment does go. And we'll see how the ratings are. The ratings were, what were the ratings last? How's the ratings pack, uh, ratings pattern going? So last week's show did a PW Collision. The first week did 816,000. Last week did 595,000. Not good. Hopefully they're back up and not down. With that, that is everything that I've got to say about AEW Collision. Yeah. Overall, not a bad show. Not the best episode of Collision. We've seen better. Now, as far as the news does go, first news bit we're going to talk about, Drew McIntyre. We saw Drew McIntyre make his big return this past Saturday at Money in the Bank after Gunther defeated um, Matt Riddle to retain the Intercontinental Champion. We heard the sword. Shink. We heard the music. The bagpipes played. And now came the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre. With that, McIntyre took down the ring general, Gunther. Pray, uh, raised the Intercontinental Championship above his head and made it known what he wants. With that, Mike Johnson of PW Insider does have an update on Drew McIntyre stating the following. As we've been reporting for weeks, WWE wanted McIntyre to return by today's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. That process has been impended, according to sources, by McIntyre wanting a strong storyline upon his return. WWE got what they wanted, and the two sides came together on an agreement over the last few days, and McIntyre will enter into a program with Gunter going forward. He will be back on Raw this Monday. Now, there's still more to it, but I do want to say, take that with a grain of salt, at least according to Triple H. Triple H said that Drew was never out because of creative and storylines and wanting better storylines for himself. It was all injury-related. Two different injuries kept him out. But uh, Johnson continues on writing, stating, We are told by two sources that McIntyre's WWE contract status has not changed. Now, I know one certain website we're not going to name got this 100% ass backwards and said that, he has signed a new contract, which is not true. Uh, the two sides have not yet come to an agreement on terms on a new deal or an extension. So his contract is still due to expire in early 2024. The two sides have yet to even begin discussions on that new deal, partially because there's so much time left. Over six months, it seems like, until McIntyre's contract would essentially expire. So all you blokes that keep going, 
he's gonna he's gonna show up it all in. He's gonna be a Wembley Freight. It's not even legally possible. And now he's back with WWE. He's gonna go for Gunter, and we'll see where it all leads. As we move on to our next news story, in keeping with WWE, I guess you could say some were a little trepidatious when it came to having Jey Uso pin Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. According to WrestleVotes on Twitter, they tweet the following. We're going to pull that up on the screen right here. WrestleVotes does tweet out. There was a feeling of trepidation from a high-ranking creative member in crafting the finish for this past Sunday's Bloodline match. A strong argument that Reigns shouldn't be pinned prior to losing the title was present throughout the process. Now, we do ultimately know that Jey Uso did end up pinning Roman Reigns and being the first person to pin Roman Reigns since Baron Corbin did it back in December of 2019. So, yeah, I can see where... You wouldn't want Roman to get pinned before he loses the belt because it almost takes some of that luster off of whoever pins him, whether that's Cody or somebody else, saying, hey, you're great. You're good. You're awesome. You've been the champion for X amount of days, but I beat you and I took the title. Now Jay can say he beat him, but for what? Pride? Notoriety? I don't really know. I don't really know. Where the end game is going to be here, other than what we could potentially be getting at SummerSlam. Now, speaking of SummerSlam, Dave Meltzer over the weekend actually talked about a number of matches that are being rumored and pitched for the upcoming SummerSlam pay-per-view or premium live event taking place from Detroit's Ford Field on August 5th. Those matches do include Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. We did see at Money in the Bank, Shayna Baszler turn on Ronda Rousey, costing her and Rousey the women's tag titles. Gunter versus Drew McIntyre. Again, obvious based off what happened at Money in the Bank. Drew, or Gunter, retained the belt. Drew came out after the IC title match. Kate take, take, took out the champion, laid him out. Bada bing, bada boom, said I want your belt. We also do have Asuka versus Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair. We saw from SmackDown... Charlotte took on Asuka for the title, the Women's Championship, but Bianca got involved, caused the DQ, did what Adam Pearce told her not to do, and so yeah, triple threat does make sense. Also, it does look like we'll be getting Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch. Trish and Becky have been feuding since right after WrestleMania, or not long after WrestleMania, and this has been something we've heard about for a while, Trish versus Becky at SummerSlam. They just had to stretch it out to get it there. Also, a third match between Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Some thought that maybe Brock could have appeared at Money in the Bank to set this all up, attacking Rhodes maybe either after or during his match with Dominic, and that never happened. Cody got the babyface win, the big win, the big reaction from the crowd, and then just went from there. Also, Meltzer, Dave Meltzer, is reporting that Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso is in the plans for SummerSlam. Again, makes sense. Jay's the one that pinned Roman at Money in the Bank in the Bloodline Civil War, and we're just going back to 2020. We're going back to 2020 when it was Jay versus Roman. Jay finally acknowledged Roman, became main event Jay Uso, and now full circle right back to Jay fighting Roman, most likely at 
SummerSlam. So if we do hear anything further on any of these six matches, we'll see what we can we can find out. Also, there is another rumor going around that we could be getting a Logan Paul quote showcase match. Not sure exactly what that means or who he will be facing. Meltzer did state. Logan Paul is on the show. As of yesterday, he was not planned to face LA Knight as the plan was to give him an opponent for a quote showcase in-ring match. So there we go. There we go. Hey, maybe, maybe he's the next challenger for Seth in the World Heavyweight Championship. Who knows? Bring back that mania rivalry. As we look forward, we have some AEW news to talk about as one AEW wrestler, well, is gone from the company because their contract expired. According to Mike Johnson over at PW Insider, Johnson does state that uh, Grandin Goatsman, also known as Trench, the guy that was with um, Swerve and all the face tattoos, is no longer with the company. He says the Goatsman has departed All Elite Wrestling as his contract has expired. Trench was also officially removed from AEW's roster page. There we go. He's gone. He's been out of action dealing with injuries, hence why we haven't seen him since March. And now it doesn't really matter. His contract expired. He was on a short-term deal. And we'll see what's next. Whether he stays in wrestling, does something else, goes somewhere else, I don't know. I had never seen him before his time in AEW. and I don't see him again after. It wouldn't hurt me at all. Because he did, in my eyes, nothing during this AEW run. Not his fault. He wasn't booked to do anything other than look like a goob on TV. To be the fall guy at times, sometimes once or twice maybe for Swerve. And yeah, stand next to Swerve. Look intimidating, but not be. But not be. As we move on to our final news story of the day. Remember last week? When we told you that news story about Jacob Fatu ghosting a charity event, taking a $1,030 booking fee and not showing up, and then having them book a flight only for him to miss the flight, and then to book another flight for him to apparently not get on, and then them have other things they paid for, like a hotel and autographed you know, photos and whatnot. Well, Court Bauer, owner of MLW, actually talked on this, stating, quote, we're watching it very carefully, and we take it very seriously. Fatu books himself on third-party shows. We have no involvement with that, but it's something. We've had meetings on, and we're watching carefully, and we're continuing to monitor it and learn more about it. We work with charities, privately, not for, oh, isn't that great? He does that. A lot of us probably work with charities. So when you see something like that, how does it make you feel? something we generally watch. So he said stuff, but didn't really say much. Basically, sounds like he's telling us, yeah, so I've heard all the stuff with Jacob, haven't talked to him, haven't heard from him, none of it. That's what it sounds like to me, that he hasn't heard anything from actually, from, from Jacob Fatu on the situation. Because I think if he had, and there was some sort of a story there as to why this is all happening and why it had happened, maybe he would have been able to tell it. But whether he's got something off the record or just hasn't talked to Jacob, we'll have to wait and see. Story keeps evolving. Maybe there's no more to it. Maybe there's something more. We'll have it for you when we do. But with that, that's all we got for you here 
on the wrestling wrap-up. Nothing other than one match has so far been announced for Monday Night Raw that I can find. Let's go over to WWE's website. We'll see what that one match is. Oh, it's this one. I say it like I didn't know. Only one match has so far been announced for tonight's Monday Night Raw. This match was set up last week on Monday Night Raw when Natalya made the challenge. So it's, uh, I think, I don't, is the title on the line? Let's read what WWE's description says. It says, Natty attempts to wrench the woman's title from Rhea. So it is with the title on the line. Okay. Because last week they didn't make it clear if the title was on the line or not. So it says, after receiving five Guinness World Records, Natalia will try to set more records as she attempts to take the Women's Championship from Rhea. Women's World Championship from Rhea Ripley. Ripley has been unstoppable since becoming Women's World Champion at WrestleMania 39, defeating Zelina Vega at WWE Backlash and steamrolling past Natalia twice. Can Natalia finally etch a win over Ripley? Or will Ripley remain Natalia's nightmare? Find out tonight, Monday Night Raw. So yeah, that's the only thing that WWE is currently advertising for tonight's Raw, hence why I don't have a Raw preview up, because there's only one match to preview. Let's talk about it here. So with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher. Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, we'll be back live tonight following Monday Night Raw. It'll be me and Luke. We'll have fun there. We'll talk about Raw, and we'll start, hopefully they start that build to SummerSlam. But with that, guys, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.